Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church this morning. We are very glad to have you with us. Uh, if you've been here a long time, we are glad to have you as well. But if you're new, a couple of things I'd like to point out to you in addition to saying you are very welcome in this place is that there are a couple of things that you need, you're going to need. One of those is your worship folder. If you don't have one of those little worship folders, those are really important. They'll help you follow along throughout the service. Uh, sometimes we'll sing out of the worship folder. Sometimes we'll sing out of the hymnal. And you can find all of that information there in the worship folder. The other thing I'd point out to you is in the back of each one of the pews, there are some information cards. Um, there's a place where you can put prayer requests, if you'd like a member of the staff to contact you, etc., you can pick one of those up and you can place it in the offering plate as it goes along. I'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but we're in the middle of a series called Instructions for Living. At the end of each row, there should be some green cards spread throughout the sanctuary. If you'd like to fill one of those out with your own Instructions for Living, we would uh, encourage you to do that. Before we get into the formal worship service this morning, we're going to uh, invite Joel Weaver up this morning. He's got a vote for the congregation that he's going to present for us. I'm sure as you came into worship this morning, you noticed that there was just a little something special in the air. Could it be the first bloom of spring? Perhaps love is in the air. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're at Calvary. Love is always in the air. But it's none of those things. That special electricity you felt when walking into the sanctuary this morning was because we have been in business session since 9 a.m. this morning. Yes, that's right. That's right. Because we are voting today on a motion that was brought by the, by the deacons uh, that Dakota be licensed to the gospel ministry. And I kid you not, the name I was first given this morning was Dakota Fanning, which would have made for much more interesting discussion and vote. <laughs> but it is for Dakota Farquhar Cadell. Uh, it has been, uh, the deacons have recommended that he be licensed to the gospel ministry. Discussion about what that entails took place this morning. So we're simply going to put that to the vote now. All in favor of licensing Dakota indicate by an uplifted right hand. All opposed by same sign. And so the motion passes. Uh, now the problem with starting with business session is there's no real room for Randall or Mary Alice to build with the service. This is impossible to follow. So when Mary Alice comes up, be as encouraging as you possibly can. And so with that, we conclude our business session at Calvary this morning. Thank you very much, Joel. You know, I've never felt more like a downer in my life. Um, <laughs> Well, we are glad to have you here this morning. As I said earlier, this is our very last in our service, uh, in our series on instructions for living. This entire series we've been talking about, like, what are some of those things that sort of accumulated wisdom within the community, within our own lives, within our own experience that maybe help us think better about how we live and how do we pass that along to others? Mary Alice has been taking us through some texts in the biblical text. That, that push in that same direction as well. I found a quote this week that I wanted to share with you. Uh, Rainier Rilke is a poet, and he was writing a letter to a young poet once, and, and he says in this letter to the young poet, I want to beg you as much as I can, dear sir, to be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart, to try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is, 
to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will win them gradually without noticing it. Live along some distant day into the answer. Part of what we've been talking about in the series is what an emphasis living this life is here and now. So much so that for Rilke, even if all you have are questions, then live the questions. Though they may be tense and uncomfortable, there is life even in the questions. This final morning in our series, perhaps a good beginning reflection is to note that in the incarnation, Jesus came not only to die and to be resurrected, but also to live this life, to grant a dignity and a weight to the life we all experience here on earth. So with that thought, let us begin to worship together this morning.
God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, O God of Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, you are the God of the living, both of the past, the present, and the future. You are the creator, sustainer, and the redeemer of our lives. It is in you, O God, that we live, we move, and we have our being. O God, guide us in our living so that we might live fully and abundantly in you. O oh God, guide us in our living to be full of grace and truth, justice and peace, patience, self-control, mercy, forgiveness, and compassion. O oh God, guide us in our worship today so that we live by having Christ live in us. In the name of Jesus Christ, the giver of life here, now, and life eternal. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, the name above every other name. Only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Only there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in one. 
salvation. I will put my trust in you alone. reading from the book of John. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by any other way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The sheep, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. I am not leaving you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, 
the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. This, this is, is the word, the word of the Lord. Of the Lord. Wednesday service, and we reflected on the fact that, that not everybody who's here this morning has participated in Lent. Maybe that's something you're not familiar with, and so I have an expert panel up here <laughs> to uh, spend a little bit of time discussing some of the various ins and outs of Ash Wednesday, Lent, etc. So I've got with me Elise Jones, Jamie Fulton, and Eric Holliman. Thank you all so much for being with us this morning. Um, so I think I want to start with the first and the obviously the most um, obvious question. Why would the church name the entire season of Lent after the flotsam and jetsam that accumulates in my belly button between showers? Because the church has always wanted to be contemporary, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, 
the word, our English word Lent, goes back to the old German for the lengthening of days, and that was associated with spring. And so you see the association of spring, the lengthening days, was the season when the Christian church emphasized the season of fasting leading up to Easter. So more about springtime and growth and those things and the stuff in my pockets. Okay. Um, question number two. I mentioned that uh, liturgy, so one of the things we talk about is the idea of liturgy, the work of the people, a very communal kind of experience, but a word we don't use a lot in Baptist churches. Um, how has that sort of communal practice of liturgy been meaningful to you all? Uh, this question brings to mind two uh, Lenten practices. Um, growing up in the Lutheran tradition, every Wednesday of Lent, there was a potluck soup supper. Um, and so we'd gather together as a church, eat this simple meal of soup and bread, and then worship together. Um, and this allowed me to enter into a different weekly rhythm during the season of Lent with this midweek pause. Um, and allowed me to deepen my relationships with others going through their Lenten journey. Um, the other practice that comes to mind um, was from last Lent. Uh, when the young adult Sunday school, um, every week we, they would come together to do the fantastic fresh fish fry Fridays for friends, or <laughs> F7 for short. Um, and this weekly commitment taught me um, about intentionality um, and how gathering together each week um, really deepened both uh, communal practice and my individual practices. That's terrific. Uh, the next question I wanted to ask, does participating in Lent mean that I have to be intentionally depressed for the next 40 days? <laughs> I, I, I don't like to use the word depressed, but, but I mean, there's a, a degree of reflection that I think is kind of required for that 40-day period and kind of just reflecting on how individuals, we need Jesus in our lives. We need to be um, realizing, you know, kind of our, our uh, fallenness as humans and, and collectively as a group. And so I think that you know, that's a major component of the Ash Wednesday services as a group coming together to experience that. I would just add that I think the important word in the question is not depressed, but intentionality. And that intentionality is, makes a difference. Y'all have mentioned some, some practices associated with Lent. One of those is Ash Wednesday, when you come on Wednesday night. And um, Mary Alice does the sign of the cross and puts the ashes on your head. So one question I have is, are the ashes important, or are they just Mary Alice's way of paying us back for a year's worth of trouble? <laughs> the ashes are important, um, but I would also point to something um, that would mean that Mary Alice might be trying to pay us back. Okay. Um, our first Ash Wednesday at Calvary, the ashes were not mixed with the traditional oil. Um, but the only thing that Mary Alice could find in the Calvary kitchen on short notice, which was popcorn butter. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember the, the flocks of seagulls pecking at our foreheads that evening. It was, it was painful. Um, I, I love the connection between Palm Sunday and Ash Wednesday and the fact that the palms from the previous year are burned to make the ashes, and just that, that cycle, you know, that kind of life cycle and cycle of the church, I think is really important. I would simply add that I think the dust to dust, that there's something about being connected with death that gives us the ability to really do life. The connection with darkness gives us a 
appreciation, uh, maybe ability to live in the light. That's terrific. Uh, last question here. If this is somebody's very first time uh, to participate in Lent or Ash Wednesday or this whole season, what's some just quick practical advice you might give them? If you decide to do a personal Lenten practice and if you find yourself getting caught up in a legalistic mindset or maybe that you've forgotten to do your practice the past day or two, um, don't get caught up in that, but rather um, really reflect back on why you've chosen this Lenten practice and um, focus on intentionality. And from a practical, practical perspective, Deirdre and I have loved uh, bringing our whole family, bringing Jada and Dane with us to the Ash Wednesday service. And it's really led to good conversations and discussions about what the Lenten season means. And so if you're considering not coming because of children, I'd say bring them. I would just support what uh, Elise, Jamie are saying by saying if, if you're starting and it's new, it seems to me that community engagement or when community is doing something with the season, that that's a good door to enter into rather than trying to do things individually. And then the other thing is if one is wanting to implement practices, disciplines from Lenten season, that it can start by taking that which you already do and being intentional and focused about uh, the conversations, the subject of the conversation, the music you listen to, uh, it doesn't always have to be a complete starting of something new, but taking what you already do and just focusing the practice of it. That's terrific. Thank you. We'd all love for you to join us on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. We'll begin Lent with Ash Wednesday. So thank you all so much for being with us this morning and for sharing.
gracious God in these moments may the words of my mouth may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you O Lord you are our rock and our Redeemer amen well if you are like me one of your first thoughts in the morning when your alarm clock goes off is could I just get five more minutes of sleep and then maybe five more after that, <laughs> and just five more after that. But no matter how many times I press snooze, it just never feels like enough. Until soon, my mind begins to shift to my to-do list for today. <laughs> the people I need to check on, emails and text messages that are waiting on a response from me meetings with folks around town, errands that need to be run, could I fit in time to work out before or after work today, and don't forget that Sunday is coming and you still haven't started your sermon. Suddenly I begin to fret that there is not enough time in the day or the week to get it all done, and so I jump out of bed. Well, writer Lynn Twist says I'm not alone in my morning routine, which gives me some comfort. She says that for many of us, our first waking thought of the day is, I didn't get enough sleep, 
And the next one is, I don't have enough time. She says, the thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours and the days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. We don't have enough exercise. We don't do enough work. We don't have enough profits. We don't have enough power. We don't have enough weekends. Of course, we don't have enough money ever. We're not thin enough. We're not smart enough. We're not pretty or fit enough or educated or successful enough. Before we even sit up in bed, before our feet touch the floor, we are already inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something. And then by the time we get to bed at night, our minds race with a litany of what we didn't get or didn't get done that day. We go to sleep burdened by those thoughts and wake up again to a reverie of lack. Before long, what begins as a simple expression of the hurried life grows into the great justification for an unfulfilled life. But friends, this kind of life is a far cry from the one that Jesus offers us. The one we read about in today's text in John 10, where Jesus says, I have come so that they might have life and have it abundantly. Because Jesus didn't come for us to live a frantic or frazzled life. Jesus didn't come for us to live a fearful or anxious life. Jesus didn't come for us to live a life that stays small and plays it safe. Jesus came so that you and I might have life and have it abundantly. <laughs> Pastor David Luce writes, Nowhere else does Jesus express the intent of his mission and ministry more clearly than in the verse at the end of this passage. In contrast to all that would rob us of life, the thieves and the bandits, he mentions Jesus comes to give not just life, but life in abundance. Not just survival, that is, but flourishing. Not just getting by, but thriving. Not just existence, but joy. Jesus offers in some more life than most of us imagine is possible. The question is, what kind of life are you and I actually living? And what is it that is robbing us from the kind of life that Jesus is talking about here? Because when we ask each other how we're doing, we rarely say things like, gosh, my life is just so abundant right now. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I mean, we say things like, I'm making it. I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm stressed. I'm just trying to get through the semester. We're just trying to make it through the terrible twos. Just trying to make it to the weekend. Now granted, I want to be very clear that abundant life does not rule out hard things. Abundant life does not suddenly erase or even lessen our experiences of pain and stress and grief and loss like we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Those who are willing to follow Jesus all the way to the cross like we will do this Lenten season are going to encounter suffering. As Jesus says just a few chapters later in John 16, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. 
And so if abundant life isn't without pain or trouble, then what is it exactly? I think Brenda Bradley taught me to answer this question. I will admit that this entire worship series was actually inspired by her, by our months of conversations with Brenda, friends, and family, because I was absolutely struck by this idea that Brenda didn't wait to receive a terminal diagnosis to live the life she had always imagined for herself. She was already living it. Brenda knew so well the instructions for living her life, which is why she lived so faithfully and fully and abundantly to her very last day. Brenda's life instructions were inspired by this God who calls us to places we can't dream about on our own. She was always seeking after the God whose table is longer than we can conceive and whose house has more rooms than we could ever imagine, as we read in John 14. And so she opened up her house, her table, and her life in the very same way. And when she did, she found that God's abundance was everywhere, <laughs> in home-cooked meals, in laughter, in meaningful conversation, in poetry, in music, in travels around the world, in strangers who became friends, in family. And so even in her final days, Brenda knew deep within her core that the abundant life was all around her. And so even on the days when life didn't look like what she had planned, and even on the days that were hard, Brenda trusted that because he lives, she would live also. And friends, I can't think of a more abundant life than that. You see, if we are waiting for life to feel perfect, I worry that we are going to miss out on the abundance that is all around us. And I can't help but wonder if our constant feelings of not enough are the very things that are robbing us from living the full life that God intends for us to live today. So the disciples have an encounter like this one day. They find themselves surrounded by this crowd of 5,000 people, and they know there's no way they can feed everyone. There will never be enough food to go around with a crowd that large. Philip says it would take six months of wages to buy enough bread just for everyone to have one single bite. And if they had stopped there, if they had stopped with not enough, that would have been the end of that story. But another disciple, Andrew, looks at what they do have. He says, look, here's a boy with five barley loaves and two fish. I wonder what we could do with that. And so in that very moment, Jesus takes what they do have, these loaves and fish. He blesses it and begins to pass it out. Then he invites everyone to sit down in the grass and to eat as much as they want. And soon he asks the disciples to gather up the fragments, and lo and behold, there is an abundance of leftovers, 12 baskets full. You see, Jesus didn't say, well, I sure wish we could feed all these people one day. That might be a nice idea the next time the 5,000 of us get together sometime. He teaches the disciples to trust in the abundance that is all around them here in this very moment. 
You know, sometimes I think you and I tend to operate with this mentality that life will feel abundant later on after we get over this next thing or this next big hump. After we finally graduate, when we get married, when we get a job, when we can finally pay off our debt, when we can get a better job, when we make it through this stressful semester, when we have kids, when our kids get older, when we retire. And I think all of these things communicate that we have some kind of lack right now that we think will be filled later. And so we wait. We wait for when we think we will have more energy, more time, more space, more money, more sleep, more status, more love, more of however you might fill in that blank. But friends, we are not promised tomorrow. We know that all too well. Last week's sermon was about not worrying about tomorrow. This week's sermon is about not waiting until tomorrow to live into the abundant life that Christ is inviting us to live into today. As Wendell Berry once wrote, we pray not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and an eye clear, because what we need is here. Friends, what will it look like for us to lean into the moments God has entrusted to us in the here and now? To fully experience the abundant life that God has to offer us, not tomorrow, but today. At the end of the day, that's what these instructions for living a life that are hanging all around the room are all about. But as we finish this series, I would like to offer one final instruction, and that is this. I believe that the abundant life is always meant to be shared. Like the good shepherd who shares with his sheep. Like the young boy who shares his fish and barley loaves with the thousands. Like Brenda Bradley who shared her bread with everyone she met. Like the way Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, a house with more rooms than we can imagine. You see, abundant life is never meant to be hoarded or stored away and got out later for a safe day. I believe it is diminished in isolation, but it always grows exponentially in community. And that is why Jesus came, so that all of us might have life and have it abundantly. David Luce, who I quoted earlier, says it this way. In this passage, there is a profound invitation for us not simply to listen to Jesus' promise of salvation and abundant life, but to actually live into it. How? By joining ourselves to Jesus' mission to bring abundant life to all of God's children. That means, of course, that we must first pay attention to what is robbing the children of God near us of life, and then to stand with them against those forces so that they may have life. Not just life, but life in abundance. And so how will you and I join Jesus' mission to bring abundant life to all God's children? To our neighbors here around Waco, to children at West Avenue, to friends in our schools, to the boys in Lebanon at Dar el Alad, to our coworkers, to children in South Texas at the border, And how might they help us to experience the abundance of God's love in ways that we can't simply experience on our own? We need them too. The poet Mary Oliver writes, 
tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I can't help but wonder how our lives might be different and how our world might be different if the very first thought that crossed our minds each morning were that. Not a thought about limited time or energy or resources, but a thought of the overwhelming abundance, of the unlimited possibility in this one wild and precious life on earth that you and I have been given. Friends, because he lives, we can live also. And so what will we do with our one wild and precious life? May we live it abundantly. And so, God, I ask that you would help us learn how to live into your abundance. Especially in times when we feel so very lacking. Especially in times when we are in pain. When we are afraid. When we are grieving. And when we so feel like we are not enough, God, point us toward the people and the places and the experiences and the opportunities of abundance that are just waiting to be discovered around us. Help us to see you in the face of everyone we meet and through our neighbor, and through our friends, and even through the stranger, God, help us to experience the abundance of your love. We ask these things in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Well, as we have said every week, the reality is that a starting point for really living a life begins with discovering what it means to follow in the ways of Jesus. And so if you would like to talk with one of our ministers more about what it means, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary today. Maybe you want to become a part of our faith community here at Calvary, where we seek to follow Christ together in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. Maybe you finally brought that green card back with you, or you want to fill one out there on the corners of the pews. You're welcome to reflect on this question that we have been asking ourselves all month at Calvary. And the specific question we ask today, what is it that God wants you to do with this one wild and precious life? However God leads you to respond, ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary ready to pray with you and visit with you as we continue in worship.
bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. trials come no longer fear for in a pain our God draws near to fire a faith worth more than gold and there his faithfulness is told and there is faithfulness is told within the night i know your peace the breath of god brings strength to me and new each morning mercies flow as treasures of the darkness grow as treasures of the darkness grow I turn to wisdom not my own for every battle you have known my confidence will rest in you your love endures your eyes are good your love endures your ways are good when i am weary with the cost i see the triumph of the cross so in its shadow i shall run till he completes the work begun till he completes the work begun one day all things will be made new i'll see the hope you've called me to and in your kingdom paved with gold 
I'll praise your faithfulness of old. I'll praise your faithfulness of old. When trials come no longer draws near to fire a faith worth more than gold and there his faithfulness is told and there his faithfulness is told.
I love the chorus of voices joining us in singing. It's beautiful. A few things to remember as we go today. Like we've heard earlier, our Ash Wednesday service is this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And I really want to encourage you to be there. Our special Lent and Holy Week services are really some of the most meaningful of the year, I think. And we'd love for you to get to be a part of that. There will be no other regular Wednesday night activities except for intergenerational choir. We'll meet at 7. Uh, small groups will also be meeting over the season of Lent. You can sign up in the hallway as you leave today or in the Google um, link on, in the tower. Um, several groups are starting to meet tonight. Groups start meeting this week. And so if you sign up for one of those groups today, um, let John Hunt know if you need to get connected to get an address and know the game plan for this evening. Um, but we really hope you will participate with us in those groups as well. Today we will receive a Samaritan's Fund as we leave, as is our tradition when we practice the Lord's Supper, and that goes toward emergent needs in our community, and it is used often and well. So thank you for giving generously to that. And then we hope you will stay and join us for the fajita lunch today. We have fajitas from George's, which is pretty exciting. There will be plenty for everyone. Also going on will be our children's camp fundraiser and silent auction. I've heard that there will be an opportunity to either slime John Hunt or myself. And I am trusting on you, Calvary, to make the right decision here, okay? <laughs> um, also, if you are new to Calvary, whether today's your first day, you've been visiting the past couple weeks, months, uh, we would especially love for you to join us for lunch. And our deacons have a special table just for you. And um, Melissa Gorton and Linda Doolin, if they will raise their hands, they're in this middle section, they're going to be at that table. It's right at the beginning of the line. They will help you cut the line, get yourself a plate, and they would love to, to share a meal with you and get to know you better. Last, I'm going to ask Dakota if Dakota would walk out with me um, and so that people can congratulate him for his licensing as, as we leave today. Oh, please stand, and you're already standing. Join me in this benediction. <laughs> Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Lead me, guide me along the Lord.